Shalom and welcome to this two-part special, It's All About the Aliyah. You know, if you're not familiar with that term, Aliyah, if you're new to this program, Aliyah is a Hebrew word that means to ascend, to go up. And not just a, a physical ascent, but it conveys a connotation of a spiritual ascent as well. To go to Jerusalem from anywhere in the world is to go up. And it also means then to draw nearer to God. You know, today we are witnessing a movement around the world against the Jewish people. Anti-Semitism has risen. And there are protests against Jewish people that rival the level of the 1930s. And with this, we're seeing these strange bedfellows uh, coming together. And it's prompted me to, uh, to bring this message entitled, What do cancel culture, Islam, and the church have in common? And how does it affect the Aliyah? All right, let's, let's ask a question. Who is the real target of the cancel culture crowd? Think about that for a moment. Is it Republicans, conservatives, Christians? You know, ultimately, I believe the real target of the cancel culture crowd is the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the creator of the universe. So how do we see this manifesting today? We are witnessing a far-left activists who are suffering from this delusion that they can reconcile standing for LGBTQ rights and standing with Islamic radicals, the same Islamic radicals who would throw a gay man off the top of a building or hang him in the public square. They walk arm in arm with Hamas sympathizers chanting from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. Delusional. They are delusional to think that they can reconcile these two ideologies. But why do they target Jewish people? Why is it that the Jewish people become the target? It's because the Jewish people are a representative people. No other people group in history has represented the creator of the universe longer, and I dare say better, than the Jewish people. But don't take my word for it. Let's read Isaiah 43, 10, verse 12. 10 verses 10 through 12. You are my witnesses, says the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed, nor shall there be after me. I, even I, am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. I have declared and saved, I have proclaimed, and there was no foreign God among you. Therefore you are my witnesses, says the Lord, that I am God, speaking to Israel. And oh, by the way, this chapter, Isaiah 43, is a chapter that speaks of the gathering of the Jewish people from the, from the north and the south and the east and the west and bringing them home in the latter days. And God calls them his witnesses. See, the existence of the Jewish people, the rebirth of the nation of Israel and the Aliyah are not only proof of his existence, but they are proof of the veracity of his word and of his faithfulness. This is why you see this marriage made in hell against the Jewish people and in regarding, regarding the Jewish people and the nation of Israel. Cancel culture and the far left want to replace the God of Israel with the God of humanism and, and, and they'll partner with anybody 
if they think it'll achieve their goal. Even religious fanatics. Think about that. The goal of humanism is to eliminate God altogether, but they will, they will partner with Islamic fanatics if they think it will achieve their goal. So what does Islam then have in common with this cancel culture crowd? Well, for one, the cancel culture crowd act as very useful idiots for them. But more importantly, they have the same goal of canceling the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Think about it. What has this later, latest chapter of the war in Israel been all about? Now, some say it's about the land, but that's easily debunked when you consider the landmass controlled by Muslims and, uh, in, you know, in that region versus tiny little Israel. Some say it's about anti-Semitism. I say the issue of hatred directed at the Jewish people and the issue of the land are just symptoms of the greater disease. Think about it. What do Islamic, these Islamic demonic hordes of Amalek, what do they chant when they're standing over the mutilated bodies of dead Jewish babies? They say, Allo Akbar. Now the media translate that, translates that as, God is great. But the, the more accurate translation is, God is greater. Greater than who? Greater than the God of the Jewish people. Therefore, greater than your God, the, Christ, the God of the Christians. Islam is attempting to replace the God of Israel with Allah. Now, let's face it. If Allah was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he would have to be schizophrenic. Think about that for a moment. There, there is no uh, coexist. You see people running around with their coexist bumper stickers all the time. It's impossible. It's impossible for Allah to be the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the Holy One of Israel. As I said, he would have to be schizophrenic. So before we can move on to Christianity here, I want to confirm that this commonality between the cancel culture crowd, the far left, and Islam is not a coincidence. We have biblical prophecy that alludes to this unholy alliance, and it has to do with, you guessed it, Aliyah. Let's establish the context first by going to Jeremiah 16, starting in verse 14. I'll read it. Therefore, behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that it shall no more be said, the Lord lives who brought up the children of Israel from the land of Egypt, but the Lord lives who brought up the children of Israel from the land of the north and from all the lands where he had driven them. For I shall bring them back to their land, which I gave to their fathers. Okay, so we have the context of Aliyah, the return of the Jewish people in the latter days, which is today. Now, these two verses establish that we're, we're living in that day of the final return, and that in that day there would be two opposing people groups. Verse 16 says this, Behold, I will send for many fishermen, says the Lord, and they shall fish them. And afterwards I will send for many hunters, and they shall hunt them from every mountain, every hill, and out of the holes of the rocks. So identifying the fishermen and the hunters will shed great light on this polarized society and the events that we're seeing unfold today. Let's start with the hunters. Firstly, why does Jeremiah use the imagery of the hunters? We look to scripture for the answer. 
Genesis chapter 10, verse 9, identifies Nimrod as the hunter that Jerem of Jeremiah's prophecy, I believe. He's identifying, he's identifying hunters, therefore we must identify the most famous hunters in Scripture. Genesis 10.9 identifies Nimrod as a hunter, and Rashi the, the, and most of the Torah commentators interpret figuratively as a hunter or one who incites men to rebel against God. Okay? Now the historian Josephus puts it this way. Now it was Nimrod who excited them to such an affront and contempt of God. He was the grandson of Ham, the son of Noah, a bold man, and of great strength of hand. He persuaded them not to ascribe it to God as if it was through his means that they were happy, but to believe that it was through their own courage which procured that happiness. He also gradually changed the government into tyranny, seeing no other way of turning men from the fear of God but to bring them into constant dependence on his power. Did you hear that? I mean, based on Rashi's and Josephus's analysis, I believe it is safe to call Nimrod the father of modern humanism. And all forms of tyrannical government ideologies that have sprung from that. Think about it. Nazism, fascism, socialism, communism, all types of dictatorships, all totalitarian type of governments have sprung from this ideology, the, the, the idea of drawing men away from God and making them dependent on the government. History has taught us that these tyrannical policies are the antecedents for total dependency on government and most often lead to economic collapse and even war. Then too often during these times of Jewish, the Jewish population in these nations become the scapegoat for all the woes of society. All right, then the second time we see this descriptor of hunter used in scripture, in scripture is for Esau, Genesis 25, verse 27. Genesis 27, 40 says of Esau, by your sword you shall live. Now later, Esau marries the daughter of Ishmael, by whom, whom it is said by the angel of the Lord, he shall be a wild man. His hand shall be against every man and every man against him. Genesis 16:12. Now, I believe it would be safe to speculate that the vast majority of radical Islamic jihadists are descendants of Esau. I want to be absolutely clear. Islam as a religion does not date itself back to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Islam was born of the mind of Muhammad in the 7th century CE. Although the adherents of Islam include vast numbers of descendants of Ishmael and Esau, Islam would not exist for 2,600 years after they lived. Now, however, this ancient hatred of the descendants of Esau towards the son of Jacob, that is Israel, is well documented in Scripture. For example, Amalek was Esau's grandson. And he attacked the children of Israel shortly after their exodus from Egypt. Another of Esau's descendants was Haman. You remember that despicable character who tried to completely annihilate the Hebrew race? This type of hatred and violence, these violent manifestations, they're not new in the Middle East. Yet Islamic terror now has reached around the globe. 
So now, therefore, the hunters of Jeremiah 16, 16 are, I believe, here today and are related by a common spirit of rebellion against the Holy One of Israel. This, this ancient hatred against his people. So these seemingly unrelated events and these unrelated people groups, they're occurring, they're these things that are happening around the world, the hunters are the cause. And I believe they're the cause of financial upheavals, wars, acts of anti-Semitism, and Islamic terror. The scripture foretold this 2,700 years ago, and that the, these, these events now are the impetus for more and more Jewish people to go home to Israel. The very thing that they're fighting against, I believe their actions are actually the impetus for more of it to happen. Aliyah increases when these push factors increase. So what about the hunters? I mean, excuse me, the fishermen. We've spoke of the hunters. Now, what about the fishermen? Why does Jeremiah use the imagery of fishermen juxtaposed with the hunters? Who are these fishermen? Well, if I were to ask you who are the most famous fishermen in history, I believe we could all agree that the descendants of Jacob who decided to follow this rabbi from Nazareth would be the answer. What would a disciple of Yeshua, Jesus, what would they have learned from walking with him, the master? Well, Romans 15.8 describes him this way. He was a servant to the circumcision for the truth of God to confirm the promises made to the fathers. Remember, the promises made to the fathers included the land of Israel. So when we, when we go into a Jewish home, we remind the, our, our Jewish brethren of the promise that God made to the fathers and that they have the right to go home. But what happens when we fail to confirm this promise made to the fathers? What, what are we doing as a church? The church, the very institution that claims to uphold God's order on the earth, sets itself up in direct opposition to God's order. Let me say that again. When we fail to remind the Jewish people of the promises that God made to them, the church, the very institution that claims to uphold God's order on the earth, sets itself up in direct opposition to God's order. The fact is, the very existence of the Jewish people declare God's glory and faithfulness and the redemptive purpose for all of mankind. Let me think, think about that for a moment. It, we, we have an opportunity in our day to brag on God's faithfulness. In fact, I feel that that was, that was a, a word that I received from God himself when, when I, I was freed from the idea of having to preach this word. No, don't preach. He said, just brag on my faithfulness. And that's what I get to do every single day. When, uh, when we speak of the Aliyah and the return of the Jewish people, we are talking about a promise made centuries ago, a promise made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the ability to, to witness the fact that it's being fulfilled today, and it's fulfilled in our day. So what the Constantinian church has in common with cancel culture and Islam is that it attempts to replace God with the God of their own making and design. And the results have been 
horrific, namely the Crusades, the Inquisition, pogroms, and yes, the Holocaust. Make no mistake, the real war that is raging today is over who God is, his identity, and what is important to him. In today's culture, we often hear the phrase, my truth, which is another way of saying, in my opinion. In other words, as scripture would put it, everyone does what is right in their own eyes. The fact is, there is only one truth and one opinion that matters. And ultimately, it is held in the Koreans, in the hands of the creator of the universe. And we know that the creator of the universe is the Holy One of Israel. Okay? That is one of the names, his, his names. We see it throughout Isaiah, the Holy One of Israel. Now, we're going to continue with, with this message and talk about how we can then practically uh, respond to these truths versus what we've witnessed throughout history in the Christian world. In the second part, we're going to talk about how, how true followers of the, the Messiah of Israel and the Messiah of the world would respond and act toward his people. But until then, what we, in, in before the second part of this series, let's watch this, this short video. It's a beautiful rendition of And Still They Come. And I want you to visualize what God is saying, what God has promised, and what we're witnessing right now before our very eyes in this generation. This is a beautiful illustration of that. Let's watch And Still They Come. And he will lift up a standard for the nations, and will assemble the banished ones of Israel, and will gather the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth.
Wasn't that beautiful? That is happening right before our eyes. The Jewish people are being regathered from the four corners of the earth back to the land of Israel. All right, so I'm going to come back next time with, with the practical ways that we can respond to this Word of God. Until then, you can go to our website, EzraInternational.org, and you can see what we're doing, and you can get involved in practical ways. Your prayers, your giving is helping Jewish people make it home to Israel and learn and, and know that they are not alone that there are people who will stand with them in, in their greatest hour of need. Anti-Semitism is soaring throughout the world. And we as Ezra International want to serve Jewish people and show them that they, we care and that we stand with them. We love them. And you can show that you love them too. So until next time, God bless you and we'll see you in another It's All About the Aliyah.